Hello, and welcome everybody to our podcast, Unpacking Organizations. My name is Shraddha, and I have with me here Rupert as my co-host. We just talk about our passion topics here. Unpacking Organizations, the Practitioner's Podcast. Sponsored by OrgView. See tomorrow's business today. Today's topic is something that I had not heard about before, even after my decade and a half experience in org design. And that is how if. Rupert talks about it in his book. And is that how you call it, Rupert? How if? Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's how web, which, which is an acronym okay. for how will it work in practice? Awesome. And it looks like that that is a framework, that's an approach that you apply to actually make it all real, the macro and the micro design real. So shall we dive into that today for our listeners? Great. Let's let's go for it. Let's do it. Awesome. So how did you come up with that framework? What actually led to it? And how do you put that in action in real world? So I, 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 I developed it quite a long time ago um, in two parts. One, when I was actually doing, in the early days, consulting work, I just wanted people to understand how the organization was going to work in practice. And, and so to get people to do that, I, I was creating games, workshop games, role play games, um, so that you, if you're going into a new role, you could actually understand what the new role was going to be and and you could also understand the interfaces because the one of the big challenges in org design isn't so much understanding what's in the box, i.e. what every different person does. It's it's the intersection, it's the interfaces between the boxes and then the gaps and the things that fall between it. And I think I would like to pause because that is very, very important point. Like we design boxes, but we miss designing the interconnectivity and how it will all interact with each other and invariably those intersections create tensions in the organization and so how do we resolve for that tension and then it all becomes like something which we need to do real time we've never thought about it before right yeah exactly and even if it's i mean yes tensions is 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 one thing um ambiguity lack of clarity Mm, absolutely so who who has who has the monkey on the shoulder Right for certain scenarios, for sort of certain questions, and when when you do process design and activity design and accountability mapping and to be accountability mapping, it's fairly abstract, and you can only go by, by definition. You have to go at quite a high level, um, so you're trying to get the main chunks of work and the main chunks of accountability. But when you start thinking about execution and doing it for real lots and lots of questions come up and and what you want to do is as much as possible is clarify a lot of these questions pre the actual implementation because so when how you do you actually, do that like can so, you give an yeah, example i'll give i'll give lots of examples and mm-hmm. I, I i also want to do a call out actually so I, I was i was playing with this and playing with these games and then um one of my colleagues in the early days of orgview and uh was a gentleman called giles slinger so I just want to call out Giles because he and I worked very closely on this um, and this concept. And, you know, Giles was really big about making things practical as well. Um, so I had a lot of fun 
when we were creating the DDOD training. This is in the you know, early 2010s, and we were um, developing the courses, and we're like, how do we get people to actually understand the design that they've come up with? And, and, and also not to fall into the trap. So one of the other traps, before I get into some of the examples, is you, you can get into, um, I want to swim lane everything, and I want to create, you know, all these swim lane process diagrams, Absolutely. We all and, have grown up with that. <laughs> yeah. So then there's a real risk that you you say, well, let's go and process map everything. And actually, most of the time you don't need to. And most of the time, most processes don't actually work that way in most industries. So it's an overkill. And then it's a little bit like the whole racy debate. It's like, what is actually done with those process maps? Now, if, you, if you're doing it for systems implementation and you're putting in workday and you need to process map everything because a system has to help execute. That's a different thing. But from an org design context, you, you don't need that most of the time, which is why I spent a lot of time in DDOD talking about the different levels of activity mapping. That's probably a podcast for another day. So sometimes, sometimes if the process is unclear and there are lots of handoffs, one exercise is to do, I call a level two process map with the swim lanes and the handoffs. So you can visualize the process. But, the, but there are, other games that are more fun. One is just to throw, have a group of people in role. So it's a, it's a role play and you throw a question, a challenge and an, an issue out there. And then people say, well, I've got the monkey and they talk through what they're doing. And then I hand over and it's like you throw it like a tennis ball or something to the person that, you know, your output becomes their input and you talk through and then what you're doing in that little process is that there's a facilitator when something's not clear, when people are like, well, I don't know what to do or what, I shouldn't get this or you should give this to me earlier. Or practical things, you, you write those down and they become, I call them how it, how it log. It's kind of like an issues log, but it's like how will it work in practice questions. And so you just write those down and then you try and get answers to those questions. And that's just a way, really tangible questions that will help people unpick how it's going to work. I actually love that uh, exercise because it act, it makes people think real time and actually think the issues that they will face, not just a superficial work design or job descriptions, but actually like, you know, when they are in this role and when the work comes, what is the frustration that comes with that tennis ball, uh, if you will, and um, how they are going to pass it on further. It just, I can totally see that unpacking so many um, challenges that people face after the org design is institu institutionalized uh, before, like, rather than before. So... Yeah, exactly. And you, you, so you're really trying to tease out the issues. But um, so another one is, you, you, I talk a lot about give, get matrices. So you have you know the list of roles, and each role gives certain things. Your outputs go to other roles, and then you also get things from others. So you, you know, think of it as as a on 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 the the rows is give, and the columns is get. And so imagine I am the CFO and you are the divisional you know, CMO. I give you your top-down marketing budget. You give to me your plan. That's a negotiation. You try and work it through, right? 
So who's giving what? You know, I give the high level targets. This is what we need to achieve from the sales and what have you. Then you tell me what you need. So what are you giving? What are you getting? So you, that's a way of understanding all the intersections and interdependencies. But then a Howip game is, um, which I've applied as speed dating. What's well, inspired by speed dating? It's not speed dating. It's inspired by speed dating. And you, you have the two people in the two roles with a facilitator. And they say, well, this is what I am giving to you. And this is what I expect to get from you and vice versa. And they, and then you, all these issues, these challenges, no, I need this. I need this. Then all these things that are going to cause friction between those two roles and the gaps or things that I'm expecting this from you. Well, I, I'm not going to get that. That's not part of my role. So you tease that out as well. And you're really trying to tease out the gaps. Um, so, and as part of the design process, what we'd have with the, the how up issue log is this a running log. And you just go through, have we answered these? And the answers, that also starts to inform things like your Q&A and, and all these sorts of things. And it, it gets to, I hear all the time, um, people who are affected by organization design. They're saying, well, my role hasn't changed. It's just changing chairs on the Titanic. And how's this going to impact me anyway? And it's just all nonsense. And, you know, the, the cynical disillusion kind of comes in. Well, if you do this, you're actually getting people to be clear about how this change in new world is really going to operate. And another thing which I feel that it will lead to is that whenever this is happening, invariably there is a different room in which people are just venting out and talking about that how this will not work. But those inputs never make it to the real discussion because people are just talking about, okay, on papers, this org looks okay. And people are more, I would say, um, nicer in that sense, uh, are not being authentic. But when you're playing games and when you're pushing them to do these thinking, things come out on the surface, which is extremely important for the working of the organization in the long term exactly 100 percent, and and it's it's amazing all the politics that you avoid mm -hmm. and, and 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 just the lack of the fear as well like oh, i don't know what it's going to be the inability to ask the questions to ask the silly questions or and you can do it by the way you don't need to have the person who's in the role doing the role play i mean it's ideal if they are but if you're really trying to think through, say, at the macro design level, you can role play like different scenarios. Say, well, how would this option work in practice versus this option? So we had option A versus option B. Let's role play that in these different roles and have people play that. And I, I just think playing, thinking, it's, it's a way of getting to deeper thinking. And if it's playful, I think we just think better, right? It just takes the tension out of it. Oh, absolutely. And especially for these things where there's so much of dynamics around people's role changing, people's job losing out, right? There's so much of tension during these kind of workshops that bringing in that playfulness, I think is game changer in that sense. And, I'm, and my wheels are turning uh, that next time when I do, I'm going to do these things. Um, how do you set the how do you set the uh, level for it? Like, how do you actually invite people to do these things? Because I would imagine the first time they're doing it, they must be very awkward. 
but over the course of time, they open up. So how do you actually break the ice and invite people to do this kind of silly games? So, so one, I mean, you, you can do it pre-selection and mm-hmm. it's more slightly more theoretical or you can do it post-selection. And it's a way of onboarding and embedding the organization. Um, so let's just say it's post. So you have selected who's going to be in each of the different roles and you are, it's almost like part of the kickoff of the new organization. Uh, taking people off site is really important. Um, allowing enough time, right? So that you're not pressured by time. And it's, it requires good facilitation and it requires really good ability to park issues. That's why the log is so important. So it's just being honest with everyone that we have not thought of everything. We can't have. So let's say it's the post. Let's tease this out and see how it's going to work and, and, and make sure it's fit for purpose before you actually start executing in that role um, before that handover. And then what it also does, if, if say you've, you're doing it at the leadership level, then and, and, and maybe before the announcement to everyone or just, you know, as they're embedding, it becomes more tangible for them and the case for change and everything is more tangible. So they can live and breathe this before it's even happened so they can explain it. And if there are howlers, like big design flaws, you catch them early so you can address them. So it's going to avoid really expensive mistakes. Um, so that's part of it as well. So the setup is really important. If, if you set this up and say, we have all the answers because look how clever we are. We're so clever. We thought about everything. Here it is. We're going to play this game. But actually, it's not playful. It's just like you do your thing. And um, so you can learn your role and kind of then, you know, you, it's probably not going to go very well. And if, if you put time pressure, so we've got to get it done in an hour um, in the office and amongst all the back-to-back meetings, and it's not going to work very well um, if it's not in person. So because it's about rapport and problem solving. So this is, an, this is a time when being in person, whiteboards, a nice environment. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if someone, let's imagine someone's been promoted into the new role and they're more junior relatively and they have to, well, it's a great time for them to get to know their new colleagues in different functions. And when there are tensions, because there are always tensions, you can get those out and say, well, this is how we're going to address these tensions. And that's where the leaders um, of, of, of those groups, you know, can start to work, work that through. Um, I, I'm really yeah. energized listening to all of this uh, because it can, it can solve for so many challenges that we see in a real org design, post-org design uh, workshops or post-org design changes and this gets to the crux of it in a playful way that people are more and in a more engaging way right like uh, everybody yeah. is there I can totally imagine a senior leader bringing their uh, leadership team together in an offsite and doing this kind of a game and yeah. really getting a lot of out of it so and the, the thing is is the, 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 if you're presenting everything through the PowerPoint and you're presenting the accountability and who's accountable for what, so the accountability matrices, and you're presenting the roles and the flows, 
I mean, it is so, it's dull as dishwater. <laughs> that is so and true. You just, I cannot see one more racy chart up there on you, the slides. You, so it, it just, cognitively, you're switching off. You're just not absorbing it. So true. And so to get people to absorb the information and to, to make it come to life, because the whole thing about making it real in these exercises is to make is to make it real. It's it's to bring the organization that's going to be to life. Right? It's no I I say a lot, macro and micro, the design phase is theoretical. Well, you have to go from theory to practice. And you can't just do that in one step. Right. And 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 so this is accelerating that. Um, and look, I mean, you know, the military and things like that, you do war games, right? You do scenarios. If you're learning a sport, like I love rugby, you do shadow rugby, you do plays, you're role playing the real life. You practice. If you're in theater, right? You, you don't just go out and perform, you practice. Um, this is practice. This is getting into it. So you're understanding that's what sports people do. That's what musicians do. That's what actors do. You know, and then here we are. Amazing leading. call out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, where are we practicing what we need to do for the most part of our lives as a leader? Right? Like, we need to practice that in a more, um, in a setting which is not so pressure cooker and stressful environment. It, yeah. We need to, yeah, uh, I think we have we have this thing in in because I coach rugby, um, the hole in the part, and what what you're doing is the hole is the game, the full game with all the complexity of the game, and and so the best you want to practice the hole all the time, and but then let's say there's a there's a set of skills or something that's not quite working, that's the part you break it down and say right, let's now practice the part, let's train the part. You do that, and then you go back to the hole. And the the modern, the way I'm trained to, to coach rugby, is to constantly go whole part, whole part. And in the old fashioned way that, like when I was learning to play rugby, um, we would start at the beginning, and it was exercise, and then they would beast us. So they would try and kill us physically. Then we'd do skills, and then we'd play a game. Um, so the only fun bit is the ask at the end of the game. So the modern way to make it fun is game, 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 the whole way through whole games, part games. And by the way, by doing this and by keeping it active, you get the fitness anyway. Now, maybe, it, and if you need to improve your fitness, I can destroy you in three minutes, really intense, three minutes, you can have a blowout. And, and so that's, so it's, it's to, to an extent, it's applying that kind of philosophy into this org design environment, we need to practice. We need to bring this organization to life. How do we do it? We devise games. The part is there is this issue, there is this process. How is this going to work? Right? And then you're you're going through that. You're role playing. You're testing. Okay, this makes sense. So that when you have to do it for real, because you will have to do these things for real, you've done it before. You've visualized. It, you've worked it through. And then a lot of the tension will be taken out. And you know. Who knows? You might even have fun. This is such a powerful technique, approach, and philosophy. I, I really enjoyed listening to this conversation, Rupert, because 
we really need to build this muscle into the organization because we think about exactly to your point we think about training people in a very different setting in a classroom setting or in a zoom setting but we don't most of the time we don't help them apply that training in that setting but we help them just put them into the real world that just go there and apply that training which does not happen there's a big difference between educating someone in the sense of this is the theory and then the practice. And, and, and so if you're learning maths, they can go out there and they can teach you how to solve differential equations or algebra or something, but you have only learned it when you're practicing and you're practicing under different scenarios. And it's that repetition, right, that makes us good at doing something. You know, purposeful practice, repetition, etc. So here we are. Org design is one of the six most important things for uh, a CEO to nail, um, according to the CEO Excellence book from McKinsey. I've quoted this many times. Along, you know, they called it org alignment with culture and talent and org design. So it's one of the most important things. It's one of the biggest levers. And and so you spend all this money doing all this analysis doing all this design work and what have you and then and then and then what i'll just go off and go go and work it out it's 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 barking mad so hopefully people find this useful i found it very useful i have so many takeaways but my biggest takeaway is just apply it i am going to uh design a workshop or just in a very small setting try to start experimenting with how can we make it all real? So how whip? But Rupert, what is one takeaway that you have for our listeners? What, one takeaway, and then the other is, is going to be a request. I'll do the request first. Sure. Get that over, out of the way. If you apply this and you find it useful and there are, you get learnings from it, could you please share on LinkedIn what you did and how it was useful because we need to share it and it's not just... Shredder and I spouting these things off. We'd love to hear from you, you know, our listeners. So if right. you do this, please share and, and, and let us know. It will make our lives a lot better. Just knowing that, you know, this is added value for, for someone, not just ourselves. Yes. Even um, one impact is the impact that we want to create. Exactly. Please be that one person. Uh, we will sleep a lot better at night. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and my takeaway is fun. This Howip, the Howip exercises should be enjoyable. People should be smiling, even if it's very serious. Um, subject, you're breaking it down. And when it's fun, it means it's safe. There's clear goals. You're progressing. You're improving. It's linked to flow. So please design it to be fun. Please, um, you, you will build relationships by doing this, by making it fun. And the, the team will grow together. And then when you're in the fire, when, when things are really difficult, they'll have the, the inventory of the relationship and the goodwill to, to get through stuff. And they can um, fall back to that workshop. You know, they can exactly. always say that, remember in that workshop, we had such a fun time or a tough time unpacking that. And now it is playing out in real life. So how do we do that? And absolutely. And I feel that... Uh, yeah, this is this is really something that 
all the org design practitioners should make a part of their approach. Um, I feel that org design will be incomplete if we don't utilize that uh, phase into our design process. So that is my request for everybody who's listening out there and who's an org design practitioner that use it and it will be helpful. And let us know then. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Rada. Thank you. Thank you, Rupert.